Praise God. First Samuel chapter number one. I'll be reading from verse one down to the end. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hmm. Now there was a certain man of Ramathia, Zophim, of Mount Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, the son of Jeroham, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuf, and Ephraimite, praise God. Verse 2, and he had two wives, the name of the one was Anna, and the name of the other Penina. And Penina had children, and Hannah had no children. And this man went up out of his city yearly to worship and to sacrifice unto the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. What a privilege. And the two sons and Eli, Ophni, and the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, the priest of the Lord, were there. And when the time was that Canaan offered, he gave to Penina his wife and to all her sons and her daughters portions. But unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Anna, but the Lord had shut up her womb, underline those words. But the Lord had shut up her womb. Verse 6. And the adversary also provoked her soul for to make her fret because the Lord took note of it again repeating itself. Verse 6 and verse 5. The Lord had shut up her womb. The same thing. Praise God. Verse 7. And as he did so year by year when she went up to the house of the Lord, so she provoked her. Therefore, she wept and did not eat. Verse 8. Then said Elkanah, her husband, unto her, Hannah, why weepest thou? And why eatest thou not? And why is thy heart grieved? Am not I better to thee than ten sons? Praise God. Verse 9. So Hannah rose up after they had eaten a shiloh, and after they had drunk. Now Eli the priest sat upon a seat by a post of the temple of the Lord, and she was in bitterness. Take note of these words. She was in bitterness of soul, and prayed unto the Lord, and wept sore. Verse 11. And she vowed a vow, and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thy handmaid and remember me and not forget thine handmaid, but will give unto thy handmaid a child, and I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. Verse 12 says, And it came to pass as he continued to as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli marked her mouth, that is the high priest. And Anna was praying continuously in the presence of the Lord. The Bible says, now Anna 
She spake in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli thought, take note of this now, the priest of the Lord, the servant of God thought that she had been drunken. That is, she was drunk and has been drinking and all along, and that was why she was just like moving her lips and could not even raise up her voice. And Eli said unto her, How long will thou be drunken? Put away thy wine from thee. And Anna answered and said, No, my Lord, I am a woman of a sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have poured out my soul before the Lord. Count not thy handmaid for a daughter of Belial, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief have I spoken hitherto. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast hearkened unto, that thou hast asked of him. Verse 18. And she said, Let thy handmaid find grace in thy sight. So the woman, that is Anna, went her way and did eat, and her countenance was no more sad. Verse 13. And they arose up in the morning early and worshipped before the Lord and returned and came to their house to Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. Wherefore it came to pass when the time was come about after Hannah had conceived that she bore a son and called his name Samuel, saying, Because I have asked because I have asked him of the Lord. Praise God. And the man Elkanah and all his house went up to offer unto the Lord the yearly sacrifice and his vow. But Anna went not up, for she said unto her husband, I will not go up until the child be weaned, and then I will bring him, and he that he may appear before the Lord and there abide forever. Take note of those words. He may appear before the Lord and there abide forever. And Elkanah here, the Bible says, Elkanah her husband said unto her, Do what seemeth thee good. Tarry until thou have weaned him. Only the Lord establish his word. Praise God. So the woman abode and gave her son suck until she wind him. Verse 24, 25 downwards. Interesting. And when she had weaned him, she took him up with her with three bullocks and one ephah of flour and a bottle of wine and brought him unto the house of the Lord in Shiloh. She is so faithful to fulfill her vow. Brought him unto the house of the Lord in Shiloh, and the child was young. And they slew a bullock and brought the child to Eli. And she said, O oh my Lord, as, thou, as thy soul liveth, my Lord, I am the woman that stood by thee here praying unto the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord had given me my petition, which I asked of him. Therefore, also... I have lent him to the Lord 
As long as he liveth, he shall be lent to the Lord and they worship the Lord there. Praise God. This is one interesting account that I want us to really, really careful as we deliberate in God's word and take our time to go through the scriptures in a very smart way. Because many times when we read texts like this, all that we're looking at is the miracle that happened. All that we want to see is the manifestation of the power of God. But what is behind the scene, we don't even know. The cause of the problem, we don't know. The reason behind the problem, we don't know. And the problem itself might not even be the issue, but who is behind the problem? Praise God. And the final aspect is the miracle behind it all, how it happens, how God fulfills his word. Praise God. This morning, deliberately, I titled this message, Conflict Surrounding God's Design. Conflict Surrounding God's Design. Praise God. God has a design for your life. God has a design for my life. God has a specific design for every one of us. Praise God. But there are so many conflicts that are surrounding the design of God for our lives. There are so many issues that we will have to deal with personally. There are so many issues that we will have to deal with as a family. There are so many issues that we have to deal with as a nation. There are so many issues that we have to deal with as a church. But when we talk about the design of God, we are talking about God's structure. We are talking about God's pattern. We are talking about God's system. We are talking about God's plan. Praise God. We are talking about God's function, the functionalities of God, the way God operates. His operation. We're talking about the blueprints of God. Hallelujah. The instruction. Hallelujah. You cannot build without a design. It is not possible. Except otherwise. But even if you don't bring out a design, there's a design in your mind. There's a plan. There's a vision. Praise God. So you cannot build without a design. You cannot build without a mindset. You cannot build without a vision. Praise God. You cannot build without a desire. There's something in your mind that you've already intended to do. A structure that you intended to, uh, uh, to build or to erect. Praise God. And let me say this before we proceed. That God is the best de designer. Praise God. No one can design better than God. Amen. And so the way he designs your life is different from the way he designs mine. Praise God. That is why we might even have the same height but not the same DNA. Not the same fingerprint. Some of us are bright in color. Some of us are dark. Some of us are short. Some of us are tall. Some of us are chubby. Some of us are slim. Your voice may be heavy. Mine may be lighter. We are all different. And that is what makes you unique. What makes you unique is your difference. Praise God. And what makes you unique is God designed upon your life. And these are the reasons why we ought not to compare ourselves with others. Praise God. So God is the best designer. And whatever God will do, take note of it now. Whatever God will design, there is not going to be an error or any mistake on it for you to say, well, I have to figure it out. I have to correct it because God hasn't done it properly. Praise God. Or whatever he had done, he didn't do it well. I have to fix it. You cannot correct God. Praise God. He is so perfect. The Bible says he is perfect in all his ways. Hallelujah. Praise God. In fact, let me say this. Since God created the world, he only created this world once. Praise God. Do you know how many thousands of years this world has existed? But do you know what is happening? Up till today, we are still discovering. Up till today, we are discovering 
praise God. There, there are so many discoveries out there. Scientific dis discovery, natural discovery, spiritual discovery. And we've not stopped discovering. We're still discovering. And there are quadrillions and billions of stuff that we haven't been able to discover. And we can never finish up. Praise God. So when we talk about God's design, I'm talking about that which God structured, that which God um, 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 put in place, the system. And sometimes these are the problems that we face as believers. Amen. We want God to move in our own ways. We want things to be done in our own ways. But what we fail to understand is that the ways of God are not the ways of man. Praise God. And let me say this to you. God can be trusted. Amen? Do you want me to say it again? God can be trusted. Now, when we talk about conflict surrounding God's design, I am not telling you that the design of God has a problem. Praise God. The design of God doesn't have a single problem. God is a perfect God. Praise God. I'm talking about the conflict that you and I have regarding the design of God, the problems that we go through, the challenges, praise God, the constraints, hallelujah, the confusion that we have about the design of God, about the plan of God, about the will of God for our lives, about the ways of God, about what God had done, praise God. Let's see Isaiah 46 verse number 10. Very interesting verse and that is going to be our springboard into our text, Isaiah chapter 46, praise God, verse number 10, Isaiah 46, verse 10, are we there? I'm going to read quickly, it says, declaring the end from the beginning, you see, God goes to the end, praise God, and reverse everything to the beginning, that is what he declares, so in other words, he knows what the end is going to be like, even before the beginning began, but you and I don't even know anything. We don't know about the beginning. We don't know about the middle of the situation. We don't know about the end of it. Because the design is not in our hands. We are not the owner of ourselves. The Bible says, declaring the end from the beginning, hallelujah, and from ancient times, the things that are not yet done, the things that are not yet done, saying, God said what? My counsel, my design, my desire, my plan, my system, my pattern, my structure, praise God. My vision, my will shall stand, praise God. Hallelujah. Declaring the end from the beginning, the Bible says, he said, my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. Do you see that there? God is saying his counsel will stand and he will do all, not your pleasure, but all of his pleasure. Whose counsel is going to stand? God's counsel. Whose counsel will stand? So your counsel might rumble down. Your counsel might fail. But the counsel of God, that shall what? That shall stand. Praise God. So are we ready to sail now? Do we understand that? That it doesn't matter how hard you work, how much you will do, or whatever you will do to break your head, to make things the way it should, the counsel of the Lord, the Bible says, that shall stand and God will do his good pleasure. Praise God. I would have loved to go deeper into that, but I don't want to stray away from the text. Praise God. Most times, take note of this now. As believers, this is where the challenge is. Hallelujah. Most of the time, because we are humans, because we are limited, hallelujah, because we are narrow-minded, because our level of understanding is, 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 is narrowed down, 
There are certain times when we misunderstand the will of God. Praise God. There are certain times, even when we tend to understand the will of God, we do not get it right. Praise God. Hallelujah. Not only that, there are times when we get confused about the will of God. Hallelujah. And these are the reasons why sometimes, take note of this now, you see the design of God, you misunderstand the design of God, and you assume the design of God as a problem. Are you getting what I'm saying? You can see the design of God, but because he knows where he's taking you to, he declares the end from the beginning, he understands what he's about to do, and you do not understand. When you see the design, you say, oh my goodness, what kind of problem is this? But was the design actually a problem? It wasn't a problem. It's God's design. That's the way he's going to take you through. Praise God. So you may see the design as a problem if you do not understand the design. Praise God. You may see the design of God as an attack from the kingdom of darkness or from the devil, but you don't understand the design. Praise God. You may see the design as an affliction. Oh, what kind of affliction I'm going through? You don't understand the design. Praise God. You may see the design and look at it as, I mean, as a battle. And at the end of which, you know what you will eventually do? You will give the devil glory instead of giving God glory. While you do not understand that these are the designs of God. Praise God. So what I'm calling on you to note today, this moment, is to pay attention to the design of God for your life. The will of God. The plan of God. The vision of God. God will not walk with you the way he walks with me. God will not walk with me the way he walks with you. Permit me, please. Hallelujah. The reason why is because last week I make mention of the grace of God in our lives. That the grace of God are different. Praise God. Some people have more grace. Others have less grace. Others have a lot of grace. But it depends. The Bible says God gives grace according to the measure of the faith that we have. Now I'm going to show you some things that, thank you. I'm going to show you some things that will help you. Praise God. If you look at the text that we've just read and look at Isaiah 46, it says the counsel of the Lord that shall stand. There is a woman here, this woman that is completely, number one, she's innocent of what was going on. You remember what we learned about Job last week, that he didn't even know what was going on between God and Satan. Praise God. So she's innocent of what was going on. She didn't even know anything. Praise God. Not only that she's innocent, she's ignorant of what God was doing. She doesn't understand the plan of God. Praise God. So the Bible says, look at it now, in verse 5 and verse 6 of chapter 1 of 4 Samuel, let's start to get deeper. Verse 5 and verse 6 says, but unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion for, that is the husband. The Bible says, the reason why he gave her a worthy portion is because, the Bible says, for he loved Hannah, but the Lord had shut up her womb. Did you get it? <laughs> I think Pastor Agnes got it right. Because the way she home is like, this is deep. See verse, verse 6 again. It says, and the adversary also provoked her. The husband tried to pity her to give her a more worthy offering because of what she was going through. That's number one. Number two, her mate, praise God, the other wife, was making fun of her, provoke, calling her names. Why? The Bible says, for to make her fret. Why? Because the Lord had shut up her womb. 
You see, when you read the Bible, pay attention to words. These are the reasons why sometimes when I'm speaking, I'll tell you, look up and look at me. I'll do that deliberately. Sometimes I will repeat myself for emphasis so that you get the revelation. How many times have we read that it was God that shut up our womb? How many times? Two times. Now, the point is, was she a barren woman? <laughs> Good student of the Bible. So, if you don't understand, you will think that, oh, this woman was barren. She was never barren. She wasn't. Praise God. There is not a single barren woman upon the face of the earth. Not a single one. The only woman that died barren in the Bible was Saul's daughter, which was David's wife. Why? Because when David was worshipping God and he stripped himself naked publicly in the presence of God because he was giving God his worship, the woman made some sarcastic remark and despised that worship and God got angry. He said, the man is worshipping me and you are despising me. As a king, see how he took off his royalty, his, his crown and his robe and he poured it out to worship me and you are making fun, you are despising him. Then the Bible says she died by God cursed that woman. Now look at this verse carefully. The Bible said that this man now, Elkanah was trying to sympathize with this woman, not understanding the will of God. Praise God. Penina, the other wife, the mates, you know, the rivalry was between her and Anna. She was also attacking her, making fun of her, not understanding the design, the will of God for this woman. Whew. You see, this is one thing that I love about the Holy Ghost. The moment I begin to flow, it begins to bring me some things. It's like making a lot of deposits in me now. And some of these things I don't, I'm, I mean, <sighs> thank you, Lord. Stop sympathizing with people that you might not even understand what God is doing. And sometimes, listen to this, we try to help people out of God's plan and it won't work. <laughs> you understand me? That is why I told you in Isaiah 46, 10, the counsel of the Lord, that shall stand. So if the counsel of the Lord says, after three years, you're going to have a baby, and then your husband wants to get it in, in one year, or your in-law is forcing you to get that child in two years, God is saying, do whatever you can do. But my counsel, that shall what? That shall stand. Are you getting it now? Oh, people will come and make fun of you. They will provoke you. They will call you names. They will shame you. Just look at them and smile because you know what? If the counsel of the Lord is that you are going to have your children, you are definitely, the, the age doesn't matter. That monopause nonsense that they are talking about, is, is, it doesn't work for you as a child of God. You as a covenant child of God, the monopause is just a pause. God will unpause the pause and your baby will come forth in Jesus' name. Are you getting it? So, the counsel of the Lord, that shall stand. So, what is happening here in this case now is that God shut up a womb. This man was sympathizing with his wife. God shut up a womb. The mate was making fun of her, calling her names and provoke her. But what they do not understand is that God loves Anna so much to the extent that he wanted to give her the best. He wanted to give her that which will be recognized. He wanted to give her a platform that the whole world will know that he is God. But Anna herself did not know. Elkanah did not know. Penina did not know. Nobody knew what God was doing. Only God himself knew what he was doing. 
That is why I said conflict surrounding God's design. There are some things that God will work on. God is working on. God is doing secretly behind the scene. And you don't even know. But sometimes you even go back to him and you are crying and breaking your head. And God is saying, be still and know that I am God. <laughs> God is saying, I am God, not you. You are not God. I am God. So wait, I'll do it my way. Am I making sense to you this morning? So the Bible says that the Lord shut up a womb. Twice the scripture emphasized so that you don't miss it. And the reason why the Lord did that was that there was something unique that God was going to give this woman. Praise God. Hallelujah. So most times, you may be going through certain things and you say, oh, what kind of barrenness is this? You are not barren. You are not. Oh, what kind of problem am, am, am I going through? Lord, where are you? It's not a problem. What you are going through, in fact, if you call it a problem, that problem is good enough because that is what God is using as his what? His design. Oh, my God, look at this shame. Everywhere I go, people reject me. People reject me. It's good that they reject you because if they don't reject you, you will fall in the wrong place with the wrong people at the wrong time and you will miss the will of God. But so God designed it that everybody around will reject you. So when the Bible says God raised you up, the whole world will look and say, wow, what a masterpiece in the hand of a designing, wonderful, mysterious God. Are you getting it? Praise God. So the Bible says that God was walking behind the scene. The ways of God are not the ways of man. Let me show you some things about the ways of God before we proceed. Isaiah 55. See the ways of God. These are the reasons why if you watch my life, I, don't, I am not impressed by people's stuff and I, I'm not moved because others are moving. No. Amen. I may be slow, but I'm very, very sure. Praise God. I know where I'm in it. Amen. That is why I'm never confused. Ask people that know me personally. You know, you can tell. You've never seen me in confusion. Oh, every time you see me, God gave me a beautiful face and I use it to smile always. Always relax. You know why? I take advantage of who I am. Take advantage of my status, my life. Everything that God gave me, I use it to glorify him. You never see me frowning my face and breaking head. <laughs> no, even if I have problems, I will still smile. And you won't even know. Praise God. So the Bible says something in Isaiah chapter 55. And let's see how God operates, how he works. Praise God. Verse 8 down to verse 13. Isaiah 55 verse 8. Are we there? It says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Do you understand that? Neither are your ways my ways. You are not equal with God. Why? The Bible says, say the Lord. For as what? As the heaven are higher than the earth. So are my ways higher. I emphasize that. They are higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain cometh down and the snow from heaven and returneth not thither but watered the earth and maketh it bring forth and board that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Praise God. So the word comes forth. It's not going to return until it fulfills, accomplish God's will to give seed to the soul and bread to those that are hungry, the eater. Verse 11 says, so shall my word. Do you see that there? So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. Listen, the moment the word of God comes forth out of the mouth of God, you know it is settled. You have no reason to break your head again. Listen, because God said so, it doesn't matter what the doctors will say anymore. 
It is done. Because God said so, it doesn't matter what the government will say, it is settled. Forever, O Lord, thy word is, is settled. You see, Christianity is sweet, is simple, is easy. Jesus says, take my yoke upon me and learn of me. He says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is what? So if you are a child of God and you are living a life of stress and anxiety and trouble, something is wrong with your Christianity. Because a true child of God relax in life, doesn't break his head, doesn't bother himself, doesn't... Why, why are you fretting? Why are you frustrated? Because why? The husband has not come here. Or the child has not come here. Or the job has not come here. The wife has not come here. Oh, I'm not getting it. It doesn't seem as if it's working. You wait and see. Turn to your neighbor. Say, you wait and see. God will teach you a very good lesson. That he alone is God. Hallelujah. So he says, my word shall not return void. Praise God. He says, but it shall accomplish that which I please. You see, that which I please. So it doesn't matter whether the world likes you or not. I don't care. You like me, you don't like me. You're wasting your time. Because God is going to be pleased with what he's doing in my life. Hallelujah. So he will do that which I please. Take note of this. And it shall prosper in the things whither to I sent it. For ye shall go out. Oh my goodness. Listen, prosperity. Listen now. Prosperity ought to be centered on what the word of God says. Not outside of the word of God. Praise God. Now let me show you this. Looking at this verse, you see that the ways of God are perfect. Look at the book of Psalm 18 verse 30. I hope I'll be able to finish this message on time today. Praise God. Because as we keep going, God just is just pouring more and more and more. Hallelujah. Psalms chapter 18, verse 30. Are we there? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Praise God. Are we there? Psalms 18, verse 30. Are we ready? What does it say? As for God, yes, his ways are perfect. As for your boss, he will mess up. As for your pastor, he will make a mistake. As for your husband, he will fail. As for your children, they might not even show up. As for your bank account, it's zero dollars. <laughs> As for whatever else, what else you may depend on or tend to believe, it won't work. But look at what the scripture says. Hallelujah. It says clearly, as for God, his ways are what? They are perfect. The word of the Lord is what? Is tried. He is a buckler to all those that what? That trust in him. Hallelujah. So, see, in verse, ah, my goodness, verse 32. 32 says, it is God that guided me and strengthened. Hallelujah. 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 He guided me with strength. Hallelujah. And make it my wayward. This perfect God will strengthen you. He girds you with strength and he will make your way perfect. Haven't you read the scripture says it will perfect that which concerned you? So why are we worried? Why are we troubled? Why are we afraid? Why are we confused? Listen, this is life. Do you know what real life is? The real life is not the breath that you're breathing. This word of God is the real life. It's what keeps that life in there going. Hallelujah. 
Psalm 145, verse 17. Let's stay a little bit on the book of Psalm. Am I blessing you? 145. Thank you, Jesus. Verse 17. Are we there? I'll read. What does it say? The Lord is righteous in all his ways. You see the ways of God now? Not some of his ways. Not in certain of his ways. He is righteous in all of his ways and holy in all his works. Romans chapter 11, 33. Romans 11, 33. Romans chapter 11, verse 33. Hallelujah. It says, Oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. I love this. This is sweet. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable woo, are his judgment and his ways past finding out. Praise God. The knowledge, the wisdom of God are beyond your level of understanding. Even if you try to know, you cannot comprehend it all. The unsearchable. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. In Habakkuk, Habakkuk, minor prophet, I'm moving fast because I want to give you all these verses as you're taking note. Habakkuk chapter 3. Minor prophet, after Daniel, you begin to go down through, you see Jose, all these ones, Habakkuk will be there. Habakkuk before Zephaniah, Malachi, and Agar, you'll see that there. Habakkuk chapter 3. Praise God. Verse 6, I'll read. He stood and measured the earth. He beheld and drove asunder the nations. And the, ever, take note, the, everlasting, the everlasting mountains were scattered. The perpetual hill did bow. Then the Bible says what? His ways are what? Everlasting. That is the ways of God. That is the God we're talking about today. His ways are everlasting. Hallelujah. In the book of Hosea, back up a little bit. You see Hosea. Hallelujah. Back up a little bit. Just after Daniel, Hosea. Thank you, Jesus. Chapter 14. Thank you, Lord. Verse 9. He says, Who is wise? And he shall understand these things. Prudent, and he shall know them. For the ways of the Lord are right. God will never do wrong. God will never make a mistake. God will never fail you. God will never pass you through that which you cannot handle. You remember that. God is not going to expose you to the devil so that you'll be disgraced. If he knows you cannot handle it, he will not design you that way. And if he knows that he has not designed you that way, he will not let you go through that way. He's such a good God. Praise God. So he says here that what? God is such a wonderful God to the extent that the ways of the Lord are right and the just shall walk in them, but the transgressors shall fall therein. You are going to walk in the ways of the Lord in Jesus' name. While transgressors are falling, you are making it and you are rising, you shall excel in Jesus' name. Psalm 34 verse 8. Psalm 34 verse 8. Am I blessing you this morning? Psalm 34 verse 8. Are we there? It says, all taste and see. So you have the opportunity to do so. It is your choice to taste and see. If you want, okay. If you don't want, it's your choice. 
Oh, taste, bro. Taste. Cease. Come on and taste, my friend. Church members, leaders, workers, as you are watching, the Bible says, oh, taste and see. Open invitation. What do you have to see? That the Lord is good. 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 His ways are good. His deeds are good. His will is good. The Bible says, blessed is the man that trusted in him. Why? His ways are perfect. His ways are right. His ways are true. His ways are excellent. He won't fail. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we'll discover from our text that Hannah did not even know what God was doing. And so the world will look at a woman like that and assume that she's barren. But what they did not understand was that God was the one that stopped her from giving birth to premature. <laughs> God was the one that stopped her from giving birth to a thief. God was the one that stopped her from giving birth to a murderer, a liar. God was the one that stopped her from giving birth to a pervert. God was the one that stopped her from giving birth to a drug dealer. But people don't see what God was doing, and they don't know what God was doing. So what they saw was that she was a barren woman. It's not in my Bible. Is it in yours? Praise God. Listen to this. Praise God. Listen to this, beloved. Hmm. Many times when people don't know what God is doing, you know what they do? They assume. Assumption. And many of us have been hurt because why people assumed on our lives things that are not true. Maybe, hmm, don't mind her. She may have been committing a lot of abortion when she was young. Now that she's married, no child. Assumption. Ah, forget about that ah, woman like that. Oh, my goodness. I know her. Ah, that one was a wild cat when she was young. It's a lie. You never knew her before. I told you a story about somebody who was talking about me. And the person said, ah, I know Adolphus. I have never met this person in my entire life. <laughs> I only met her in Canada. And the brother was like, because <laughs> we were driving, right? And they were on the phone. Praise God. You see, you may be going through God's plan, God's design for your life, but because the world is ignorant about it, they assume. They make presumption. Oh, she's going to fail. Oh, she's going to be like that. Oh, this and that. All kinds of stories. They will, they will tag you and give you names that are not yours. So in the midst of this, we see assumption. Presumption will come into it. Sometimes accusation will also be part of it. They will accuse you. Oh, she's a witch. She's a witch. That's why she never had one. Was that true? No. They will call you names. And so, oh, huh. You don't know her if you know this woman. But Anna had no one else to explain her problem but to God. To the extent, listen to this now. She went into the house of God. The man of God also misunderstood her. Accusing her of being drunk. So we see assumption, presumption, accusation, manipulation can show in her again. Manipulation. In a case like that, you see manipulation. People begin to use your situation or your case to make up all kinds of stories, to call you names, or to do all kinds of things, things that are not true. Manipulation. Praise God. 
And these are the problems in life. Take note of this. Assumption, presumption, accusation, manipulation, when people don't know what God is doing. Another problem that can happen in a case like this huh, is confusion. You'll be confused. She'll be confused. Praise God. I don't know what is wrong. You try this medication, try that medication. You've done this, you've done that. You've gone left and right. And let me shock you. No matter what you do, the counsel of the Lord, that shall, that shall stand. Praise God. And so sometimes people might want to break their head. People might want to use their time and do certain things to get things to be done. It won't be done. Why? Because the counsel of the Lord is already designed and it will stand. So we see manipulation, we see presumption, assumption, confusion, accusation, and at the end, it will end up with destruction. Why? Because they don't know. Praise God. Some family had been destroyed because of this. Praise God. Let me say this to you. It is not every single thing that you go through has to do with the devil. Do you understand me? Maybe your own design, the design for your life is completely different from the next person. And in your design, there, there, there might be a lot of confusion, a lot of trouble on the road. But that is how God designs it. He's God. That is his choice. He's independently God. I can give you an example of a man by the name of Joseph. In your Bible. God gave him the design of his life. See, God told this man what he was going to be or become in his dream. He went out and shared the design to his brothers. But what he did not know, take note of this now, all that Joseph saw was that his brothers bowed down to him. Right? But he saw himself as the head of the family. He never saw his brothers selling him out. He never saw his brothers wanting to kill him, strip him off his garment. He never saw that in the dream. God never showed him that. He never saw himself being sold out as a slave. But all of those things were part of the design. So the only thing that God showed him was the dream. Praise God. Of him being there as the head of the family, but he didn't get the, the uh, entire design. What he did not know was that his brothers were part of the design. Praise God. Betrayal was part of the design. Accusation was part of the design. Being beaten was part of the design. Being sold out was part of the design. Being disgraced was part of the design. Becoming a slave was part of the design. Ending up in prison was part of the design. He ended up in Potiphar's house. That was part of the design. Praise God. He was being lied upon by Potiphar's wife. That was the design. Praise God. He interpreted dreams in the prison. That was the design that led him to the throne. That was God's design. That was God's design. And sometimes, we, we don't want to accommodate the design because uh, <laughs> it costs us a lot. It costs us a lot. Praise God. And so, that is why we see we experience a lot of conflicts around the design. Why? But if God really loved me, why would I go through this? If God really showed me, if it would have been you in the position of Joseph, you would have said, God, were you the one that really spoke to me or it was the devil? The dream that I had, is it godly or is it ungodly? 
Or you begin to burn right away. You devil, you deceived me. In the name of, no, it was no deception. The devil did not deceive him. God did not deceive him. In fact, the devil knew nothing about what was going on. That was just God's desire. And let me shock you. Listen, whatever you are going through now that is part of God's design, take note of this. Look into your life very well. You have what it takes to handle the design. Do you get it now? You are going through what you are going through because the design is almost the same as yourself. You look like the design. You can handle the design. You, can, you see some people, right? They are married, husband and wife. They are believers. I'm not talking about unbelievers now. They are believers. Maybe you see the woman is tall and the man is short. And you may want to wonder, well, what, what, what does this tall, beautiful woman have to do with this short man? No, that was the design. If you go ask the woman, she will tell you, I was craving for a short man. But you don't even know about it. I remember the story. They told us about <laughs> This is funny. But I have to say, this man got up here, prayed for the will of God, and talked to the pastor. The pastor said yes. And it was a very short sister with a big calf. Praise God. And so this sister was sitting with another brother and all of that, and then with some other brothers. And then, the day for the announcement for the, uh, what do they call it now? The courtship, they made the announcement, and the woman walked to the stage. As she was walking towards the, the stage, the man, a, a man, a brother was sitting close to the man that she was supposed to, uh, he was, uh, she was supposed to marry her. And so the man said to this man that was supposed to be the husband, oh my goodness, what did this man see in this woman? She looks short and with a calf. And then the man turned to this other man and says, that is exactly what I saw. I saw the shortness, and I saw, I saw the calf, and that is what I'm craving for. And that is why I'm going to marry her. And then they make mention of the man's name. He was shocked to realize that the, <laughs> the, the man that he was talking to was the very man that is going to marry this woman. Listen to this. There's a saying that one, one man's food is another man's poison. What you don't like may be something else that somebody else likes. What you don't like. That is why psychologically they said beauty is, the eye of the, is in the eye of the beholder. And that is true. What is beautiful to you may be ugly to me. What is ugly to me may be beautiful to you. Praise God. So we are different. So in the midst of this situation, the Bible clearly says that she was provoked. She was called names. See verse 6 and verse 7. The Bible says, and her adversary also provoked her, saw... And it says, for to make her fret, because the Lord has shot her womb. Verse 7 says, and as he did so year by year, and she went up to the house of the Lord, so she provoked her. How many times she provoked her? Many times. But the Bible mentioned two times, provoked her. Therefore, she wept and did not eat. So every time, take note out, every time there is provocation, she had to weep. Every time there is provocation, she will weep and don't eat. Every time there is provocation, she will go home discouraged and confused. Praise God. Most times, take note now. Thank you, Jesus. Open your eyes and pay attention to this. Most times, we allow ourselves to be talked down, abused, depressed, confused. Why? Because we are listening to the wrong people. And these are people that have no hands in our destinies. 
but they are speaking into that destiny and they are destroying us gradually while we give them the opportunity to do so. It's not everyone that is my friend. It's not everyone that will give me advice. It's not everyone that I will listen to. It's not everyone that will come in and try to talk nonsense to me. I won't tolerate it. Praise God. Listen, the more you listen to the wrong crowd, the more they poison you or the more they say things that will tend to destroy you or affect your life. Praise God. In fact, the wrong people speaking to your life will cause depression and they will cause oppression in your life. See Ecclesiastes chapter 7 verse 7. Ecclesiastes chapter 7 verse 7. What does it say about oppression? Ecclesiastes 7 7. Are we there? Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. It says, surely, take note of this, that is true now. The word surely means true. Truly or surely, oppression maketh a wise man what? Mad. Praise God. And a gift destroyed the heart. Do you see that there? Ecclesiastes chapter 7 verse 7. Surely oppression maketh a wise man mad. Which means that inasmuch as you are wise, you are okay. There are sometimes when you are being oppressed and suppressed and depressed, you end up acting in a mad way, doing the wrong things. Haven't you seen very, very good people? They came up from a very good home. They were doing very well. But because of depression, confusion, suppression, oppression, they ended up doing the wrong things. Haven't you wondered? You see, a man that will tell you, I'm an intellectual. An intellectual will go to an illiterate man in the forest. And that illiterate man will give him a charm and some dirty black water for him to drink. He will drink the water and give him that charm and say, everywhere you go, tie this on your waist. What happened to his intellectualism? What happened to his education? What happened to his credentials? They never taught him not to be foolish. <laughs> At school, they never taught him that. What happened to his IQ, his intelligence? He goes to the forest and see a man that is paralyzed one way and could not walk and the man tells him, I will heal you. And believe that he's going to be healed. And he tells him, go sacrifice your son or your daughter. He will go home. The man that walks like this. And he walks well properly. He will go home and sacrifice his daughter. Because a man that walks like this, that is in the forest, told him to do so. That is what oppression will do. When the devil oppress you, trust me. When the devil puts you under pressure and try to frustrate you because of your position, your condition, or your desperation, or your need, you will end up doing the wrong things in life. There are some good people that, I mean, crime was not part of their lives. I, I, haven't you seen beautiful, wonderful ladies? When you looked at them, trust me, you may not even have the guts to face them, but when you tend to, to check their lives properly, you realize that they are walking downtown as, you know what I mean now. You'll be shocked. So I thought that this lady, when I saw her, she looks like one, you know, I have so much respect for her, but you don't know what led her to such a lifestyle. Somebody that you honor, you respect, you put them on a high platter, and you discover their secret path, you're like, whoa, this is shocking. They ended up doing that which they ought not to be doing. Why? Because they were oppressed. 
I'll go over that verse again. Ecclesiastes chapter 7 verse 7. Surely oppression maketh a wise man mad. See a man comes home to the wife and he's going through stress and depression. Has to do with mortgage. Has to do with bill. Has to do with needs. Family here and there. And the wife keeps talking and nagging and nagging. Before you know, somebody is sending up in the hospital. And then another one is going to prison. How come? He was oppressed. And then he ended up reacting in a very mad way. Praise God. Things are going on and then somebody is saying, I have waited for too long. I have tried my best. It doesn't seem to work. And they, boom, they take up on themselves to do the wrong thing. Listen to this now. Let me tell you the background story of why God, why God shut the womb of Hannah. Now, in Israel, in those days, under that dispensation, they have what we call a high priest. And this high priest, his name is Eli. Eli was the one that would go to the altar of the Lord and make offering for the sins of the people of Israel. Eli was the one that would go to the altar and make sacrifices for them. Eli was the one that was in the presence of God always, 24-7, speaking to God on behalf of the people, praying to God for the people, asking God for mercy, making sacrifices, all the different kinds of sacrifices, the sacrifice of thanksgiving, the offering of, of mercy, all kinds of you know, rituals. He was the one that was standing, take note now, he was standing between God and God's people. He was the high priest. So at that particular time, you know, Eli was growing old, and at, the, uh, at that particular time also, he, he began to lose control of his leadership. Praise God. He was losing control not only of himself, but his leadership was straying away. And the worst case was that he had two sons. Praise God. You remember we read that? He had two sons. Praise God. And the two sons were very, very destructive. They were very, very immoral. They were very, very wicked. They would take the offering from the, the, the presence of God, they will use it for themselves. They will abuse the women. They will do all sorts of things in the presence of the, uh, of the people. And not only that, in the, in the temple. But God, through his mercy, did not kill them. But then the Bible says that they were rejected. Why? They were unqualified because of their lifestyle. Now, take note of this. Now, in that particular case, according to the law, after their father, Eli, these two sons were supposed to be the next in line. They were supposed to inherit the leadership uh, or the priesthood uh, position of their fathers. Praise God. But yet they could not because their father is growing old and is almost retired. Praise God. And not only that, they themselves were unqualified because of their bad lifestyle, their sinful lifestyle. And listen to this now. The leadership, the nation... And the priest office, the, or the office of the priest in Israel was in serious confusion because now they needed a priest or high priest and there was none. Praise God. They needed somebody that could stand between God and the people. They needed a person, an individual that would be holy, righteous, God-fearing, obedient, humble, live a pure life. They needed somebody that could stand there to go into the presence of God and offer that offering or sacrifices unto God on behalf of the people there was none. Eli was retired, old in age, 
fading away. He could not control his children. And the two sons were terribly wayward and ungodly. Praise God. Now in this position, God looked at this woman just as God looked at uh, Mary and favored her. God looked at Anna and favored Anna and says, you know what? I am going to use Hannah to bring forth a son that will take that place or take that position. But Hannah knew nothing about it. Praise God. There was a huge gap between God and his people. There was a position of the priesthood office that was almost vacant. Praise God. Hallelujah. There was no man to stand before God on behalf of his people. There was no one that would stand to make a perfect sacrifice. There was no one that could stand to plead the cause of the nation of Israel. And God says, Hannah, I am going to use you to solve the problem of the people. I am going to use you as a solution between me and the people. I am going to use you to meet my need. And Anna knew nothing about it. The nation was at risk spiritually. Hallelujah. Their relationship between God and themselves was very, very fragile. Praise God. So there was a desperate need of a high priest. My question is, hmm, What do you do when God handpicks you for a solution? <laughs> what do you do when God handpicks you to solve a problem as a solution? What do you do? You see, listen to this. Some of us are designed to solve problems. Some of us are designed... Listen, there are people who are going to be martyrs. They are going to die for the gospel's sake. That is what God has designed them to do. They have the grace to do so. If you pull a gun right now, they will walk, walk in front of you and say, shoot. Shoot. And they, you will shoot them. They will, die. they will die speaking in tongues. During the war in Sierra Leone, I had one of my junior pastors. That was in 1996, I think. One of my junior pastors was in my house where I was living. I left the house that very night. The very night the Lord told me to go for quiet time, a retreat fasting. I moved to a place called Abadin. The night that I left was the night that the rebels entered into the city. They met this guy. The others were running. He was not running. He faced the rebels and they shot him. While he was dying, he was speaking in tongues. The rebels, they go and they came back. The man was still speaking in tongues. They had to shoot him again to kill him, to make sure he was dead. He was still speaking in tongues, bleeding to death. He was speaking in tongues. They had to come back and shoot him to make sure he was really, really dead. I will never forget Sidi Y.Y. Ibrahim. Very committed. Very, that young man, at that time, he could read the Bible more than me as the pastor. At a very young age. He would stay in the house for weeks and weeks just reading Bible. They would have to go force him out to come and eat. If you see him skinny, when you see him, you will laugh. Because he looks like a comedian, he's funny and all of that. But when you see him, nothing moves him, nothing but the man was dead to himself as a young man at that particular time. Simple, Brother Sidi. We used to call him Brother Sidi. Study Bible. Study. After he finished his school, it was just Bible, Bible, Bible. If he goes in there, the only time he will leave the house is to go to church. He was, he was a Bible addict. 
Those who knew him know what I'm saying. Why am I saying this? This man died. And he died in a brave way. But there are some, if you shoot them now, oh my God, God, why? They will be dying instead of even praying. They'll say, God, what did you do to me? Why do you allow your believers to kill me? Are you getting what I'm saying? There are people who are designed to die in the battlefield. There are those who are designed. Sometimes you, even so some of you sometimes, I remember somebody asked me, said, Pastor, how do you cope? How do you manage with the church? Do you know how many churches have closed down around this area? You know how many churches? This business that was next door closed. A church came up the other time. You remember? They closed. And somebody was asking me, Pastor, how did you do this? How did you manage? How did you, how, how, how is your life like? What is it like? I'll say it's the grace of God. It's the mercy of God. The grace that God gave me to bear. You might not get the grace. Yours may be stronger or higher than mine or lower, but we are not the same. So, looking at the present condition that you are now or where you find yourself, are you at the center of God's design and it is annoying to you? And yet, take note now, <laughs> yet you are believing that somebody will solve your problem. And God is saying, this is an unsolved problem. It is my design. Praise God. Listen to this, beloved. There was a spiritual problem in the land of Israel at that time. And this spiritual problem was that God was in need of a man. There was a physical problem at that particular time. And the physical problem was a national problem. Why? Because the nation needed a high priest. Hallelujah. There was a, a leadership priesthood problem. Why? Because there was no one to stand between God and man. And God says, I must use this woman. Would God look at you and trust you and says, I'm going to use you, use your family or use your situation to take glory. Would you say, yes, Lord, do it. Like Job said, do it, slay me. I will serve him. Listen to this now. Hannah has a need. He needed a son. Take note of this. Very important. Pay attention. Hannah needed a son, but God needed a high priest. I'm going to say it again. Hannah was looking out for a child, and God was looking out for a priest. And God says, meet my need first. You are the one that I have chosen to solve my problem, to meet my need. Because take note, if you solve my problem, you solve the, pre the problem of your people, a national problem. If you solve my problem, you've also solved your family problem. If you solve my problem, you've also solved your personal problem. So, it's like Elijah that said to this woman, feed me first. Bake the cake, use the oil and feed me first. And she did. Praise God. So we'll see that the nation was in trouble, the office of the priesthood was in trouble, and God was in need. And this woman was handpicked by God. So you are the solution. You see, when a nation has a problem with God, that problem moves from the nation to the family, and from the family to individuals, and before you know, people will be dying. Praise God. Listen to this. When I read through the verses of this 
text in chapter two, uh, chapter one of First Samuel, I discover many things. Now, take note of this description of Hannah based on her condition. The characteristics that I that I, I identified, I mean, the, the position, the condition, the attribute, the nature of Anna, what I read, it's amazing. Looking at the text in chapter 1, you realize that the Bible says she was a woman that has bitterness of soul. But yet, she was going through that because of God's design. Are you bitter this morning? Are you angry this morning? Are you tired this morning? Do you feel discouraged? Do you feel disappointed because of what you are going through? And what you do not understand and know is that you are at the center of God's design, but you don't know it. Praise God. Number two, the Bible says she was a woman of sorrow. I'm not just saying this is in chapter two. A woman that was bitter of sorrow, and she was a woman of sorrow. Sorrow in her spirit. Do you experience sorrow in her spirit? Or in your spirit? And, and sometimes, listen to it. <laughs> wow, I hope I'm blessing you this morning. Sometimes some of these things that we go through, we go after the devil. You go after the devil. In the name of Jesus. Devil, you are a liar. Devil, you are a liar. The devil is saying, but you are the liar. You don't even know. What did I do wrong? What you don't know is that you are at the center of God's design. That is why I said sometimes when you don't understand the design of God, you will think it is an attack from the devil. It's not an attack. It's for your good. Don't you, your neighbor. Say, it's all for your good. One more time. She was referred to as the woman that is of bitterness of soul, a woman that has soul of her spirit. She was grief. She was always complaining. But one thing that I love that the Bible also mentioned about her was that the Bible says in all of this, yet she prayed. She kept praying. She kept praying. Listen to this. She went back to God with her problem. Listen to this now. Her problem was God's need. Her problem was the miracle of the nation. Her problem was connected to the destiny of the life of the people in the land at that particular time. But all of this, she knew not. Let me shock you. Let me show you some other verses. Look at the book of Romans chapter 8, verse 28. We're going to read this together, please. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. Are we there? After two, go. You're not there yet? Okay. Let's go. Two, go. It says, and we know. What do you know? Uh, uh, do you know that? Are you sure you know that? Do you know the plan of God for your life? Listen, when you know the plan of God for your life, no matter what the devil do, you are stayed. You are not easily moved. A friend will not come and say, oh, let's move over this town. Oh, let's go do this. So, oh, you married to that one. Oh, let's do No, no suggestion will move you. No, listen, you're not going to be moved by suggestion. You're not going to be moved by ideas. Oh, let's go buy this car. Oh, let's go do this. Oh, no, the, all those things will not impress you because you know what? You have your own mind stayed at the center of God's will. What does it say? Verse 28. Romans 8, 28. What does it say? For we know. Do you know the design of God? Do you know the plan of God? Do you know the will of God? For we know that some things, right? What does it say? Again? So it's not some things. It's not certain things. It's not few things. It says all things, all things, all things. So whether it's problem 
whether it's trials, whether it's affliction, whether it's death, whether it's sorrow, whether it's shame, whether it's blessing, whether it's provision. If you are a child of God, the Bible says all things work it. They are going to work. They are going to work. They are going to what? They are working how? Together. They will work together. I said they will work together. The persecution and the temptation will work together. Your failure and your trials will work together. The desperation and the confusion is going to work together. The depression, the bitterness of soul is going to work together. Confusion in your mind, the restlessness, all that will be happening around you that you are going through. I love Joseph. The Bible says he never opened his mouth. I love Jesus. The Bible says he was led as a sheep for the slaughter. He opened it, not his mouth. I love Job. The Bible says in all of this, Job did not sin with his mouth. Praise God. Everything worked together. How and why? There is a purpose. Look at how. How they work, they work together. And what is the reason or the purpose why they work together? They work together for what? For the good to them. Who are these them? Them that love God. Do you love God? Are you a child of God? Everything that happened is going to be turned around for your good. This is a winning ticket. No, you don't get the revelation. Oh my goodness, you're missing it out. Listen, it means that by right, when you looked at this particular verse, you discover that a child of God doesn't have a problem. Because when problem comes, what's going to happen? God is going to turn it around for your... So, it's only an unbeliever that will say, I have a problem. I you know what my problem is. Turn to your neighbor and say, that problem has brought me some miracles. That problem brought me promotion. That problem brought me deliverance. That problem brought me fame. That problem gave me a platform. That disgrace that the enemy thought he was going to disgrace you, that is how other people tend to know you eventually. Those who ought to know you, they now know you. But they knew you through the disgrace that came. And you thought that the devil was going to disgrace you. And they that, listen, after they eventually knew you now, they realized that what was going on was not true. So if you've been accused falsely, don't go and scatter yourself down. Excuse <laughs> me, oh God, you know I'm innocent. God, you know I'm innocent. God said, it's my design. Take it easy. Take it easy. It's my design. Joseph would have said, God, why would you allow them to send me? My own blood brothers. Can you imagine your own blood brothers? You showed them a dream that was for their own very good. For the betterment of the family, they sold you out. You will say, ah, no, 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 no. I think I made a mistake. I don't think this is the will of God. But the man was steady. Turn to your neighbor. Say, Joseph was steady. His head was steady. His mind steady. He knew where he was heading to. Praise God. There's a man that I... <laughs> Listen to this. When you looked at Romans 8, 28, it clearly says that everything that you will go through is for your good. It brings you opportunity it will become beneficial and it will grant you an advantage over situation. It says they work it for the good to them that love God and who are the called. Do you see that there? And to them who are the called, what? According to his purpose. So listen to this now. If you are a lover of God and you know that God loves you and if you have the call of God for and upon and in your life, there is a specific design that you will have to go through and you will not be exonerated from that. Did you get it now? Prayer will not change that design. Binding and losing won't work. Fasting and shouting, canceling, don't just break your head. So if you know what the design of God is, you stay there. Why? Because the counsel of the Lord 
Ah, now you are getting it now. Good students of the Bible. We're learning this morning. Praise God. There's a man that I want to draw your attention to. It's in George tonight. Let's go look at this. It's a very silly account, though. <laughs> I called it silly. You might not know what I'm saying until we get there. St. John chapter 9. Chapter 9. Are we there? We're going to read from verse 1 down to verse 5. St. John chapter 9. It says, and as Jesus passed by, do you see that there? He saw a man which was blind from his birth. That is from his mother's womb. He was blind from birth. This man was blind. Praise God. Now what would you say for a case like this? You say, oh, God, oh, this innocent child be born this way, Lord, why? I believe the, the mother that gave birth to this young man would have, she would have gone through a whole lot of things personally, not to talk about the experience with the family members and the husband's parents or whatever, and the community where she lives. But see, now this man has grown. He's a matured adult now. So he was being blind from birth up till this time that he was an adult. I'm going to say some things to you now that he's going to fuck you so hard. Praise God. The Bible says, and Jesus passed by and saw a man which was blind from his birth. That is from his mother's womb. And his disciples asked him, busybody, kongosa. Busybody, kongosa. Hallelujah. They said, what did they ask him? Say, Master, who did sin? Did the man tell you that he was a sinner? Did he say he was a sinner? <laughs> Busybody. False accusers. Problem finders. Fault finders. Looking for ways and means to point their fingers at you. To call you names. To shatter you down. To disgrace you. To molest you. To shame you. Then the Bible says, they asked him, Master, who did sin? Is this man a sinner, in fact? Was he a sinner? And they asked the question to Jesus, was this man or his parent that he was born blind? So, you're going through things and people say, I, I know he's living in secret sin. I know, I know him. Ah, that guy, the reason why he's struggling like that, he lives in sin. Don't listen to them, just smile. You say, Lord, Thy will be done. Thy will be done. Oh, teach me from my heart to say. Thy will be done. Sometimes it's difficult to sing those songs so when people accuse you when you are innocent. If you are guilty, you will swallow your saliva and say, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, no problem. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, no problem. God understand, have mercy. But when you are innocent, you're like... <laughs> <laughs> me. Why, why, God, why, God says, take it easy. It is well. Are you getting me this morning? So they said, is he the one that sinned, or is it his parents, praise God, that he was born? So they said, your reason for your problem is because of sin. Maybe you've been bastardized, you've been ostracized. They, 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 when they treat you, when they see you sometimes, when they pass by, they just laugh. And the kind of laughter is not the one because they love you, it's the one to shame you. <laughs> the one that will make you feel bad about yourself. Insulting. I want to see such kind of one before. They said, uh, that's my friend, what's his name? 
His name is Tim. Tim? <laughs> Tim. Okay. Oh. Hi, Tim. How are you? <laughs> they are sending a signal. <laughs> they said what? A sinful Tim. Ungodly Tim. Tim, Tim, Tim. You are a sinner. Even in the churches. I don't sit close to that sister. Hey, bro. Be careful of that sister. Be careful. It's a sinner. Accusation. I've learned over the years not to judge people. Hey! I've learned over the years in my life not to judge people. No matter what they look like. These are some of the reasons that the scripture says, be careful even when you gather among yourself. You may welcome angel that will show up like a thief, unaware. And you might not even know that that is an angel. You look at him and say, look at that wretched one sitting behind there. What has he come to do in my church this morning? Not knowing that you are talking about an angel. And the angel is listening to you. He knows what is in your heart. He knows what is coming out of your mouth. And you don't even know. But then Jesus said, he says, verse 10, Jesus answered, neither had this man sinned. Do you see that there? Nor his parent, but, whoo, this shocked me. He was born blind that the work of God should be made manifest in him. You didn't get it. I feel it now. He was born blind. He was born lame. He looks poor right now. He looks as if she's boiled right now. He looks like a broke pastor. He doesn't look like anyone that is a man to anything. This brother looks like a nuisance. Oh, that family looks like an entity. I'm not part of them. You don't associate yourself with them for now. Tomorrow is a credit. Keep, keep acting up. Keep misbehaving. Keep accusing and abusing others. What you don't know is that backbiters are always at the back. And you will end up behind there. One very good day. Praise God. They were backbiting, accusing, condemning, criticizing, pointing their fingers against this innocent man. What they did not know was that whatever he was going through was part of God's design. Can God trust your life to do you like he did to this man, being born blind, so that he will take glory in you? Say, ah, pastor, this is tough. Rest is tough. Women in the house, or those of you who are watching, and you are married and you are trusting God for the fruit of the womb, can God trust you to bring forth Samuel? Can God trust you to bring forth John the Baptist? Can God trust you to bring forth anointed men and women of God through your womb? And then he's delaying you. He's shutting down for the time because whatever is happening now is not the right person. You may not give back to the right child. And so God is saying the right one is coming, the one that will lead to glorify me. And so the reason why you are going through what you are, go you are going through is because I want to take glory in this. You've been looking for a job. Job is not coming. God is saying, I have called you to be a pastor. Keep looking out for a job. Those people, they will pay you and fire you. And whatever they will pay you, you will not amount to anything in life. But until you realize my design as a pastor, one year in your life, you will gain all that you've lost for the entire years of your life. But you don't know. Who sinned that this man was born blind? Listen, listen, yeah. human beings are wicked. Please look up and look at me. Let me show you one secret that I discovered. Sis, they said this man was born blind. So how could this man would have seen and be blind? 
at the time he was not yet born. Did you get it now? Okay, Mike, you understand my language. Who sinned? The man was born blind. So before he was given birth to, he came out with the blindness. Oh, so was he committing sin in his mother's womb? People, false accusation, be careful. Though. Negative comment and, and things that people will say about you. You are so innocent. And then they will, they, will, they, will, they will rampage your life, mess you up, destroy your church, destroy your family, damage your marriage, shatter your faith, and, and, and make sure your wife leave your home. Make sure your children are wayward. This is an attack. and This is a weapon of the enemy. Bad words, accusation. Jesus looked at them and says, my, oh, my. Neither this man nor his parents, no one sinned. Whatever they are going through, they are going through. That's what? The works of God should be made manifest in him. Hey! This is hard. What I'm saying to you now is hard. I wish I'm speaking to pastors. I would have gone in a different level now. God is saying, I am doing this so that my work will be, but God, would you do it in another way than for me to be born blind? What was God doing? A negative thing to create a positive thing out of it. Praise God. God, I've been putting money into this church. I've been putting money into this business. I've been putting money into this marriage. I've been putting money into the life of my child. Lord, I've been working hard in this job. Lord, I've been doing this. I've been doing that. It's as if it's not yielding fruit. God is saying, wait, I'm the Lord of the harvest. But Lord, I have prayed. Lord, I have bind. Lord, I have rebuked. I have cast out all the devils. He's saying, it's not a devil matter. This is between me and you. We're in love. We are in love, God is saying. We, are, we have an agenda. Praise God. God used the life of this man to take glory. Listen, can God dare try to use your life to take glory? If he will do it, it means that you've been designed that way. Hallelujah. Can God choose you to accomplish certain purpose here on earth? And you know the worst thing that I discover? Prayer will not solve this man's problem. He may have been praying all along. But God says, no. Your own will not work by prayer. It will only work the day that Jesus will show up. He will do it himself. Yeah! But God, you finish me. When is Jesus coming? They wait for him. <laughs> Who knows that? Maybe this man was older than Jesus when it comes to age in the physical. Praise God. So there are some things you break your head for. But pastor, this problem is not moving. Pastor, this thing is not solving. Listen, if you've been praying, let me tell you, show you now. If you have prayed, you have fasted, you've studied, you've done everything, you've done delivery. The next thing you need to do, just worship God. Go into covenant with God. You see that that is what Anna did. She prayed. She's been going there all along. She's been going there years after years after years. She has been praying. What is about, I mean, sex that she didn't do? She did all the kind of stuff and then nothing came. God says, ah, you do your own, my own. When I'm ready, it will come. <laughs> this is difficult. I know some of these messages you don't hear from pulpit anymore. Because all we need now is people say, oh, you just name it and claim it in the name of Jesus. God says, ah, let them name it, but you, you won't name it. <laughs> he said, even if you name it, you can't claim it because I have done it. <laughs> it's about me. It's not about you now. 
This is hard. This is hard. So Hannah was busy giving offering, praying, crying, going year by year. Not until it was at the right time. When it was the right time. In Ecclesiastes, the Bible says he had made everything beautiful. When and how? In his own time. The most challenging aspect about the design is the conflict that is surrounding that design to discourage you, to make you feel frustrated, to make you feel bad, and to let you lose your faith and don't believe about God again. That is the problem behind and around the design. Do you know the design for your life? Hallelujah. In fact, I realized something that I want to pass across. I realized that many Christians, take note of this now, they know more about the operations of the devil than the operations of God. Haven't you seen that in churches now? If you go to a church where the pastor teach the word and preach the word, you don't see much people. But the place where they go and prophesy and say, ah, every demon that is coming after you, they will die. They are looking for that. But the, side, the place that will, they will teach the word, preach the word, systematic theology, brings out the exegesis of the gospel, teach you the doctrine and principles. Of, they don't like those places. They don't like, they say, oh, did, did you see for me? Did you see? What did you see? You turn your pastor into a sorcerer. That is why you see all kinds of prophets online. Okay, I, I was watching something with some of your members the other day. You watch Joe Israel, right? You see what is going on between Joe Israel and all the other prophets now? And yes, you see what is going on. And the man is coming out and he's exposing them. He's confessing all that they were doing and all the demonic witchcraft occultism that has been in those things. But when we preach it to you, you don't believe. But God is bringing them out. You're going to hear more of them. You will hear. When I, I, I listened to that, I was shocked. And these are people, they will tell you things that you think that this is true. It doesn't mean because the prophecy is accurate, it's of God. I kept telling you this. It can be accurate 100%, but it's a demon that is speaking to the individual, they will tell you. But, he's, ah, that's a man of God. The power of God is moving. Congratulations. Let it continue to move. And so you believe more in the activities and the manipulations and oppressions of the devil more than you believe in the operations of God. If you ask a Christian now, how does the Spirit of God speak to you? They don't know. That is one difficult thing Christians don't know. How does the Spirit of God speak to you? But if you ask that very same Christian, how does the devil speak to you? He says, hey, I was, I was having a dream, and I know it was the devil. And you know, uh, the sister told me, and the woman said so and so, and I know the devil speaking inside of her. And you, you know everything about the devil. And that is why when it comes to deliverance, you know everything. But when it comes to obedience, you don't know nothing. So what we're looking for in our churches today, we're looking for the miracle. We're looking for all these things that has to, has to do with the offenses of the enemy. But we are not looking for that which God has done that will glorify him. Many believers these days, they understand warfare more than worship. They understand. When you talk about, in the name of Jesus, all the witches and wizards coming after your father's house, lift up your voices and pray right now. Come see the church turning over. 
What do you say, wizard? My father's house, my mother's house, my grandpa's house, my own house, my wife. In the name of Jesus. Jesus is looking and laughing. But these same people, when you tell them to worship God, ah, so their mindset is about the devil much more about the devil they know but when it comes to God they don't know you ask them to quote a scripture verse from the Bible they don't know they don't pay attention to that but when you say deliverance they pay attention to that so what we do Satan is bad what we do is that Satan gives you more desire to go after him and you forget about God you understand me Oh no, you don't get it. You don't get it. God is right here and say, Adolphus, follow me. Satan is over there. He's not saying, Adolphus, follow me. He will slap my back and say, pay attention. Come, let's go. Come, let's go. You understand? Who do you think is easy to follow? God just say, follow me. And Satan is slapping me over here and say, follow me. What is he doing? He's taking my attention away. Say, follow, follow, follow. And so there's a tendency that I want to go time to slap him back. So event, I want to go to him to kick him. So whatever God has been calling me for to give to me or to do to me, I'll miss out on it. Why? Because I'm paying attention to the devil. And that is the problem. But I love what Anna did. She kept going and praying. She kept going and praying. She kept going and praying. So in our churches today, many do understand more of warfare than of worship. There are people who are zealous to fight everything. They are zealous to go into battle for everything, but they are not willing to sacrifice everything or to go into covenant with God. They are not willing to sacrifice everything for God. They are not willing and ready to make a covenant with God, but when it comes to warfare, they are ready to go there. They are very serious about an attack from the enemy. Look at some sisters. These very same sisters, she dreamt Jesus was saying, come on to me, let me show you something. She woke up the next day and doesn't even pray and don't care. The next day, she dreamt they were pushing a bono down his, her throat, squeezing that bono by force she will eat. She wake up, right away she come to the pastor's office. Pastor, 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 I have a dream, I have a dream. They were pushing a bono into my throat that I should eat by force. Oh, the one that Jesus showed up, you don't come to the office to know what he was saying. But the one that they push a burden into your throat, you rush to the office. What is that implying? It is showing that you are paying more attention to the devil than to the things of God. You are more devil-centered or sensitive than you are God-centered or God-sensitive. Am I making sense to you this morning? Praise God. You are very serious about the attacks from the enemy. Wrong focus. I'm almost there. Hallelujah. As believers, if we say we believe in the Lord, we must live by what we believe. That is the meaning of believers or believing. It means that you live by what you believe. You believe in God's will and you live by it. Praise God. How do we know his will? How do we know his design? Praise God. Simple. Number one, by praying. You know the design of God for your life by praying. You might not know it by just merely believing, but you go on your knees and pray. The Bible says in verse 12 of chapter uh, 1 of 1 Samuel that she wept so. She wept so, which means that she wept to the point that inside of her spirit she was hurt. 
She was weeping to the extent that she was hurt. This was why she could not even, what could not come out of her mouth. That means that she prayed until she, she could pray no more. She was exhausted. You see that in verse, five, uh, verse 12. Praise God. Hallelujah. You also see that in verse 10. You see that in verse 10 that she prayed, saw, wept, saw. In verse 12, it says that she continued to pray. She continued to pray. Continued to pray. So prayer is the key. Prayer guides you to the will of God. And let me shock you. Let me shock you. While she was praying, she kept praying. She kept praying. She kept praying until she finally prayed the right prayer. Do you want to know the right prayer? See verse, verse, verse 11. Hallelujah. She kept praying. Kept praying. Lord, I will let you go. Lord reveal your plan. Lord, help me. Lord. Look at what happened verse 11. And she vowed a vow. While she was praying, she vowed a vow. What was the vow? And said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the afflictions of thy handmaid and remember me. Look, oh, just pay attention to this. You're going to be shocked as to what she said. When I read this morning, when I was studying, I'm like, wow. See what prayer can do. Prayer, the woman prayed until prayer dragged her, the presence of prayer dragged her to the will of God. What was the will of God, please? They needed the high priest, yes. That was the, the will of God. The will of God was that they needed the high priest. The nation is in need. And God used her to resolve that problem. See what was she saying. She said, remember, it says, and remember me and not forget thy handmaid. See the prayer now. But will give unto thy handmaid a man child. What was the need in the temple, please? A man child for the high priest. And that was what she was praying for. That's number one. Number two, he says, Then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life. What is the job of the office of a high priest is to be in the presence of the Lord all the days of your life. Praise God. Hallelujah. And then the end he says, and there shall no razor come upon his head. What was the covenant also of the high priest at that time? That no razor should go upon their head. So listen to this now. She kept praying and praying and praying until the presence of God led her into the will of God. And that was how everything worked for her. So for you to understand and to know the will of God, it can be done through praying. Don't give up praying. Keep praying. Hallelujah. Don't stop going to Shiloh. Don't stop giving offering. Don't stop making sacrifices. Don't stop making a covenant. Keep doing and don't get tired. Don't stop coming to church. Don't stop coming to worship. Don't stop praying. Don't stop giving. Don't stop sacrificing whatever you do. God is counting that into your account. Praise God. It says that the Bible says that she spent time in the presence of the Lord. So number one is praying. Number two, second to last, number two, is to make sure of your calling. Make sure of your calling. If you make sure of your calling, you will never be ashamed. Praise God. Second Peter, second Peter. Make sure, God, what have you designed this my life for? What have you called me to? What is your plan for my life? Because listen, when you understand the design of God, now you know what you're going to go through. And whatever you are going through, you're going to understand that this is part of the plan of God's what? God's design. So it's not going to be strange anymore. Things are happening to so many people that are strange, they're not familiar with, and some of them, they don't understand why. Why? Because you don't know the will of God. Second Peter chapter 1, are we there? Verse 10, can we read together? What does it say? Wherefore, the rather brethren, give what? Diligence to make your calling. 
Give diligence. That is, pay attention to that. It is very important. Give diligence. Give diligence to make your calling and election sure. Why? Why? For if ye do these things, ye shall never what? Shall never fall. Shall never fail. Shall never stumble. Shall never be ashamed. So many people fall in this life. You know why? They don't know the will of God. You know what my plan was? Praise God. My plan was to become a political lawyer. I wanted to get so deep into political science. Politics was one of my things. And I want to become a political lawyer. And God says, <laughs> that was how God was laughing. Political lawyer. God says, wait, let me finish. When he began to open my eyes to see the design, I said, political, one place. Lawyer, one place. I, I make cancel. Some of you want to become a doctor. Good. If it is God's design, listen, if it is God's design in you, you will have all it takes to do it. I remember a lady, we went to school together. We were doing medical stuff together, right? Here in Toronto. Praise God. Hallelujah. We're doing some medical uh, uh, studies were at the university and I had to get off from it because I knew it was not the will of God for me. You know what she did? She went to the end and graduated. Praise God. After the graduation, one day she came to my office and said, I'm sorry, I want to tell you, I'm not in that field anymore. I said, but why you wasted your money? Why you wasted your time? She said, I cannot handle it. I cannot handle blood. I said, nurse. She said, I wanted to proceed to be a doctor. He said, but I cannot handle blood. He said, as a woman, anytime I see blood, my monthly issue will happen right away. I was shocked. He says, Pastor, even when I'm done, my monthly issue is done. But the moment we go into that place, into the hospital, we start, I said, this was why I left. You know what was my problem when I was doing that medical thing here in Toronto? It's my body. My body. I am very sensitive. You know. And the reason why I'm using my glasses is because of my my eye. I don't use perfume. I don't use those things. The moment the smell alone, it affects my eyes. It affects every part of my body. Some perfume that some of you will use. When I come to church, sometimes I have to adjust myself because it's affecting me. But some of you don't know. I'm only saying this now. Few people know. And you know what was the worst case about me when it comes to my medical thing that I was doing? If I see you in pain, Brother Alex, like say, for instance, if your belly is hurting you now, trust me, I'll be so overwhelmed that I will have the reaction. My belly will hurt. I'm telling you, I'm not, I'm not exaggerating. These are the reasons why even at the house, at home, they know me. If something bad is going on, they know how to tell me. Not because I'm a coward or whatever, but my compassion, my love for people, my reaction is so deep that I always put myself in your place. I don't like to see somebody taking advantage of someone. I don't like to see people struggle. I don't like, the other day, the other day, I was watching this thing that was going on in America. I saw how police were taking advantage of black people. I was so bitter. God is my witness. I had to kneel down and pray, God, help me to love police. I'm telling you. I said, God, help me to love the police. I gained bitterness. I got so angry about them. Even though there are innocent police, simple, easy, and God-fearing police, honest police, they are doing their job very well, but the wicked ones are more than the good ones. And when I looked at what is going on in America, I was so angry. That whole day in the house, they knew, I don't eat. They were telling me, Pastor, calm down. Pastor, calm down. Is it that I'm not sanctified? Well sanctified. I never slapped you before. But it affects me. 
If I see somebody is beating somebody on the road, I will involve. If I don't get involved to stop that fight, it's going to affect me throughout the day. That imagination, that thought, I will feel the pain like I was the one they were beating. That's the kind of person that I am. So I had to drop out. Praise God. I knew that God did not design me that way. So I said, you know what? This medical thing, doctor thing, leave it. Lawyer thing, leave it. And whenever I stand behind the pulpit, ooh, I see my design. <laughs> whenever I stand, these are the reasons why. Even though you don't pay me, I enjoy being a pastor. <laughs> Praise God. My desire, it, it reminds me of what Paul says, that my heart desire and my passion is that Israel will be saved. You know, he says, what is me if I preach not this gospel? My passion, my desire, my ambition, everything is to the gospel, the things of God, the will of God, the people of God. These are the reasons why some of you need to appreciate my family members. Praise God. I am standing in the presence of God. I lie not. Maybe my elder brother is watching. He lives down in Halifax with his family. I don't know. I am guilty to them. God is a witness. They may be watching. I don't know when was the last time I picked up my phone to call them to say, how are you doing? But see me calling church members every day. Yesterday I was even driving on the phone. How are you this? How are you that? I went to the mechanic. I was still on the phone talking to church members. What's wrong with me? The passion is my design. Praise God. If I have to pay a church bill or deal with church rent, it will be pushing everywhere. Even if I have it, I'd rather use it for the things of God. If I move around, those of you know, if I go to a particular place, whether it's a mall or it's a store, I'll look at the place and say, wow, this is good for a church. I'll put the pulpit out. Somebody say, Pastor, please. It's my pastor, please. It is in my DNA. It's in my DNA. Praise God. So, even if I don't preach today, inside of me I will be preaching. My spirit is speaking. Praise God. Make sure of your calling. When you make sure of your calling, you are not going to be struggled to recognize. You are not going to struggle for, for validation. You are not going to beg for, for, for your living. God is going to make a way and you will see fulfillment coming through. Listen, whatever I am doing now as a pastor, I enjoy it. Some of the people that we came together now, listen, the people that, I remember there's a guy that we came together in this country. This guy is making money. He's rich. I'm, I'm not kidding. If you see his business back home, if you see the amount of land and houses that he's building, I said, I am building here. Praise God. He looked at me one day and says, I don't understand you. See, you are different. Then I begin to realize that that's the design. <laughs> that's the design. Money is not my problem. If you give me five, if you don't give me, I don't break my head. If I have it today, I'll say praise God. If I don't have it, I'll still say praise God. That is my design. If you know your position, you know your gifting, you know your calling, you know the grace of God that is upon your life, when the problem comes, you can handle it. You say, I'm, some people will tell you, I'm used to this. It's not like they are foolish or it's not like they are stupid. They know what they are talking about. They know that this is my area. When we were coming up in the church, there was this brother that came from the province. This brother, as I'm talking to you now, is a millionaire back home. He had all kinds of shops, stores, pharmacies. That guy knows how to play with money. He knows how to do business. He's called Paul. Hallelujah. He knows the in and out of business. I'm not kidding. 
That is his design. Business is his design. There are some people, administration is their design. There are some people, they are very, very relational. They, they have their relational skills. Eh? Those kind of people, they, you will never say no to them. God crowned them with favor to the extent. As soon as you see them, you like them right away. That's the glory that they have. That's their design. So know your calling, know your gifting, know the grace of God upon your life, and you will never fail. And then the last point is that if you are going to fulfill God's plan and design for your life, you must believe on God's word totally, believe on the word of God totally, and you will never be ashamed. Believe on him totally, and you will never be ashamed. Romans, see the book of Romans, please. Romans, we're almost there. Romans chapter 10. Can we read that quick? Romans chapter 10, are we there? Verse 11. Hallelujah. Am I blessing you this morning? What does it say? For the scripture said, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Do you see that there? Do you believe God? And do you doubt the storm? If you believe God, Mama, as you are watching, you shall never be ashamed. If you truly believe God, brother, you shall never be ashamed. If you believe God, sister, you shall never be ashamed. If you believe God, my friend, you shall never be ashamed. It doesn't matter now you are at your zero hour. The world is saying you are never going to make it. Continue to believe God. You will never be ashamed. They wrote you off. They called you names. Doctor said you were going to die. You have a few more days to leave. You don't even have a place to lay your head. You are the breadwinner of the family. On the left, on the right, the storms of life are beating you hard. If you believe, the Bible says you shall never be ashamed. Last verse in Isaiah, and we're going to pray. Isaiah. I saw something in Isaiah that I want to show you. And this is my gift to you as you go home. When you read this verse, beloved, in Isaiah chapter 46... Go home and read again, and read again. Look at this scripture and chew the corn in this particular verse. Go and regurgitate on it. Go and take note of it and do a lot of study. Isaiah chapter 49, verse 9 down to verse 11, and we pray. Isaiah chapter 49. Remember the former things of old. Hallelujah. 46, yes. Verse 9 to 11. Remember the former things of old. This is God speaking. For I am what? Look at this word, I am, okay? And see how many times I am and I will. We're going to count. Okay? It says, for I am God. And there is what? There is none else. That is, he's only one. There's no other God. I am God. And there is none like me. Woo! Wonderful. None like me. Verse 11. Declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, the things that are not yet done, saying... My counsel shall stand and I will do my pleasure. Verse 11. Calling a ravensome bird from the east, the man that executed the counsel from a far country. And take note of this. I have spoken it. And what does it say? Do you see idea again? I have spoken it. And what? I will also bring it to pass. I have purposed it. I will do it. Did you get that? Hey, yeah, 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 yeah. He says, I have spoken it. Who spoke it? It was God. 
He was the one that said it. I will also bring it to pass. Who will bring it to pass? Not even you, but God. Do you see that there? How I have proposed it. Who had this plan in mind? God. Thank you. I will also do it. Praise God. So we see the plan. We see the counsel. We see the statement. He spoke it. We see his vision and mission to do it. We see his purpose. Hallelujah. And at the end, you know what you're going to see? His actions. He's going to do it. He says, I will do it. I will do it. God says, I will give you your baby. You will get married. You will settle. God says, you shall not die. You shall live. God says, you shall excel. You are not going to be defeated. God said, no more. No more. No more again. You will be ashamed. He says, I will, I will, I will, I will, I will, I will, I will in the morning, I will in the nighttime, I will in the daytime, I will when no man sees you or comes by to help. God says, I will, I will, I will. And if the Lord has said, I will, what else do you have to do? Relax. Chillax. Rest on him. He will not fail. And it shall be done. Stop.